welcome to another episode of Science to Suits. We are in our ongoing series of walking through the basics of life science entrepreneurship with the focus on student founders. In our episode today, we discuss the process of raising capital for your new life science venture with our guest, Diana Bernstein. Diana is currently a vice president at North Pond Ventures, a life science venture capital firm. Diana, thank you very much for coming on to our show. To start us off, can you provide an overview of your background and the work that you do? Sure, yes, it's a pleasure to be here. So thank you for having me. Um, I'd started my career in healthcare consulting. From there, had uh, really become passionate about um, basically drug development and uh, the biotechnology industry. And so I worked as a project manager overseeing drug development for rare disease therapeutic programs. And from there joined the Penn, uh, the pharmacology graduate group to really have a better, more detailed understanding of what makes a good drug and how drugs um, are developed. And so from there, I made the transition to Boston and that was kind of my official foray into the venture capital community. I joined flagship pioneering uh, a venture capital fund up here that is essentially focused on starting companies. And then from there, I joined MRL Ventures, which is a the corporate venture capital fund of Merck here in the US. And my focus there was on early stage therapeutics investing. I spent a few years there and then transitioned roughly five months ago to North Pond Ventures. Um, and North Pond, as you know, is a, a, is a life sciences-driven uh, venture capital fund. Here, I'm a vice president and have a somewhat similar focus of um, early-stage therapeutics investing. So that's a bit about me. Um, I'd be happy to just touch upon uh, what North Pond does as a fund. And so, as I said, we're a life sciences-driven venture capital fund. We uniquely have a fairly broad mandate across the life sciences ecosystem. So I, as I mentioned, I sit in the therapeutics team, but we also invest in um, tools and diagnostics along with uh, our technology group that is more focused on digital health and software. Thanks, Diana, for that introduction. It's clear you have a wealth of experience at many different places. And perhaps for uh, some of our audience that may be relatively new to venture capital, can you give us a broad level overview of the field? I know there's many ways to slice venture capital firms, whether it's by industry or the maturity of investment and many other ways. So can you just help paint that picture for us? Yeah, sure. Um, I think, you know, venture capital is, is kind of um, a lump sum term for a lot of different sorts of organizations. And so I think at its core, kind of the term really articulates the goal of the field, which is to uh, get capital or funds to ventures or new businesses. There's several ways we can, we can think about how the industry is organized. I kind of like to think about it a little bit in terms of where the money is coming from, who it's going to, and, and why, for what purpose. And so you kind of have, um, in terms of, of the where, um, institutional investors, and North Pond is one of these, where the funds go out and raise money from external parties. 
and then deploy it in investments in startups. Um, and, and the overall purpose of that is to support fantastic businesses and overall return money back to the investors. Um, and so another category is corporate venture capital funds. So on the institutional side, you know, the, the entire business is focused on investing. And so in the corporate VC space, the, the source of the money is a corporation. And so kind of many of the pharmaceutical companies um, or, or broader life sciences uh, organizations um, have funds, have venture capital funds in which they have the opportunity to invest in startups that are outside of their own business. And so, you know, while the, the core mission of these, of these companies is uh, whatever, you know, for pharmaceuticals, it's developing drugs, the, the venture capital fund allows them to explore companies outside of their core business. And oftentimes there is some sort of strategic connection between what the fund invests in and what the company does. A third category worth noting, which is maybe a little specific to the biotech face, is funds that are aligned with specific interests. Um, often these can be patient groups, for example, whether it's diabetes or certain types of cancer, et cetera. And that allows kind of really focused patient groups to be connected directly to the entrepreneurial activity uh, that's going on in, in spaces that they're supporting and, and actively um, really passionate about. Um, so that's kind of, you know, for me, the, the, where the money is coming from, why it's being deployed. And then each of those sorts of groups have kind of a mission around who they're giving uh, that money to, who they're investing in we can kind of start to break down funds in that regards too. And so, as I mentioned, North Pond has a, a pretty broad reach in the industry, really supporting the ecosystem um, at large. And there are other funds that focus exclusively on therapeutics. There are others that focus on medical devices or, or maybe digital health. And so it really runs the spectrum in terms of the focus of different funds. And you know, I think that that's kind of um, a key thing for entrepreneurs to think about is really making sure that you're connecting with the right sorts of people. And so at North Pond, we do a ton, but we don't do medical devices. And so we probably wouldn't be the first stop for somebody with um, a medical device company, but would be a great place to, uh, to start for diagnostics or other solutions that support the drug development industry. So there's, there's focus in terms of the, the types of companies that, that a fund invests in. There's also stage. And this is also an important one to think about. Stage, you know, it can, it, it has to do with kind of where the company is in their funding cycle. So you have early companies where maybe it's some of the first money in, and then you have later stage companies that maybe have been around a little while, have seen multiple rounds of investment. Um, and it also aligns with the stage of the technology. And I think the therapeutic space is kind of the easiest, the most delineated, at least to think about. And so you have early stage companies where maybe it's really an academic project or a series of publications that one's thinking about turning into a company. Maybe there's some early animal data, for example, 
And then the kind of the clinic starts to be a bit of a inflection point as you start to think about what's later stage. So the closer, the closer programs get to the clinic, um, the more we might associate them with, with later stage. Um, and different funds uh, kind of focus on, on different stages and that kind of you know, aligns with maturity of the project and also kind of the amounts of money that they're investing as you might imagine earlier stage uh, companies start out with smaller amounts of money and then it kind of tends to increase over time. So those are some of the key ways that that at least I think about breaking up the industry. You know, there are increasing uh, number of funds that are putting on more of the entrepreneur, the entrepreneurial hat themselves and working very closely with, with academic founders to take ideas and, and kind of nascent science and build them into companies. So I think, you know, the, the timing is, is ripe for academics to pursue entrepreneurial ventures in parallel. Wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Diana, sticking with some of the basics here, can you walk us through that typical fundraising process between entrepreneurs and investors? What are the major steps involved? What is a timeline like? Yeah, I'd, I'd be happy to. Um, I think there's always a lot of variability in these processes. I think that they also tend to depend on some of the other factors that, that I'd mentioned in describing what sorts of funds are out there. But I think at the highest level, there are some common aspects of the process. So first, there's kind of the initial uh, contact with between the the company and the fund uh, that can come in a in a range of flavors, whether it's cold outreach, a warm introduction, meeting at conferences, that sort of thing. Then there, that's often followed up by a slightly more formal pitch in which the company uh, essentially presents, oftentimes a formal presentation of the work, their idea, progress made, those sorts of things, what the use of the funds that they're raising would be. And if that all aligns with the fund, then we would enter a period of diligence where we're actively evaluating the business opportunity from the technical perspective, the team perspective, kind of a market fit, competitive landscape perspective. And that ends up being a combination of discussions with the company, consulting external experts, discussing amongst internal experts and stakeholders. And that's an iterative process. Uh, and you know, I think the timing for that really ranges. It can be on the weeks scale. It can be months, multiple months. Uh, I think it, it, all, it all depends on kind of the stage of the company and a number of other factors. And so, you know, and of course, I, I think it's important to mention that there's kind of an attrition along this pathway. Uh, you might receive 500 or so pitch decks a year or something like that. And then at each stage that we're talking about, there's kind of a narrowing of opportunities that kind of pass each bar. So we left off at diligence. Let's say that you've done your diligence. You're really excited about the opportunity. Usually there's a buy-in that's required from the, your colleagues at a fund, oftentimes this is referred to as the investment committee. And 
So, you know, you have the opportunity to kind of present your findings, get buy-in and ask for formal approval to support the investment. So let's say all is going well and, and you've gotten that support. Now you move along to submitting a term sheet. And so the term sheet essentially presents the terms under which you are investing in the company and essentially exchanging funds for a portion of shares of the company. So you put together your term sheet, what you think those shares are worth, you present that to the company. They may accept it right away, or there may be a series of term sheets that, they're, that, that the company is considering. So it could be somewhat of a competitive process there. There could be an element of negotiation. Um, there's a number of things that, that go into the term sheet and it, it kind of structures not only the funds that the company is receiving, but also outlines a bit of the relationship between the fund and the company going forward. So do you have a board seat? What sort of voting rights or say do you have in, in how the company is conducting business and that sort of thing? So that, that's kind of the, the high level term sheet. And let's say that all goes well and you've executed and signed the term sheet. Very exciting. Now you need to figure out what other investors you're, you're bringing into the mix. And so we call this process syndication. And um, this is one way it's done. So, you know, appreciating there are multiple ways, but it's important to think about the syndicate because it's what other investors are, are coming into the mix. And so those are kind of your partners in coaching the company along its way. And so it, it's really important to consider when you're guiding a company, who else is sitting at the table with you to guide and support that company. So syndication. And then following uh, term sheet syndication, you have the official deal closing. And that's where we all you know, celebrate and cheer that, that we close the deal. And then it's time to roll up your sleeves and get to work because that's you know, where uh, the work really begins in terms of guiding the company and, and helping them reach their goals. It's really a shared success. So you know, it's kind of like, everyone wins when the company is successful. And so that's kind of what, what everyone's working towards. So that's the process. <laughs> yeah, sounds like a very exciting, but also very challenging process on both ends here. Uh, going to the start of that process, Diana, uh, you mentioned uh, making that initial contact with the VC firm from the entrepreneurs from the new venture. How would you recommend um, entrepreneurs really get their foot in the door, so to speak, and uh, whether that be a warm or cold contact here and get to that stage where they can do that formal pitch? Yeah, I think there's a number of ways, number of, ways of going about it. I think you know, if we're kind of considering the academic entrepreneur or indexing a bit for the academic entrepreneur in this conversation, I might think about what the what the ask is as the entrepreneur and kind of gauge the introductions appropriately. So do you have an interesting piece of data that you're thinking could be a company versus do you have a formal kind of well-baked idea and plan that you that you would like to officially pitch what sort of relationship are you are you looking for and I think you can kind of gauge the approach accordingly I, I think warm introductions are always helpful just by the sheer number of of things that people get in their in, in their inboxes 
as an investor, um, I always try to give attention to, to anything that comes in my inbox, but I'm not perfect at that. So, you know, when it's, when it's through somebody, a relationship that you know and trust, it's a little more attention grabbing in that regard. I, I would say that's true, whether it's an official pitch or a kind of informal information gathering thing. But, you know, I think email is one way to do it, but but let's remember that there's we were that we were still investing before email. So there's other ways to kind of get in front of people. And, you know, I think conferences are one great way to do it, um, whether it's scientific conferences or investor focused conferences. I think conferences, casual encounters, you know, as you're picking up a coffee at, at a meeting can be a really good way to just get to know people. And then also, you know, I think in the academic setting, I at least found it um, helpful to make use of resources on campus. And so, you know, as a participant in Penn Biotech Group, people I met through that avenue, going to just like seminars and whether it's career panels or, you know, company presentations, there's just a variety of ways I think one theme I'd like to build in this discussion is, is the power of the network and uh, just really never knowing when you're going to meet the right person who may not be your ultimate investor per se, but may help you get to a point to get to the correct investor, for example, um, or maybe might introduce you to someone who could be a really strong contributor to your team. So, you know, I think taking advantage of, of those opportunities, whether it's a direct email or whether it's more casual uh, through conferences or other activities in the community and the academic environment um, are really good resources. Yeah, I'd, I'd like to vouch for your responsiveness to cold emails and we cold emailed you and you responded very quickly. So if that, you know, she, she means what she says. You, the next step in the process you mentioned was the diligence after you have that um, initial introduction and you know, maybe a minor pitch. And so can you just maybe tell us what is the diligence process like at North Pond? And so what are the components of that? What's important to you guys, whether it's market size, unmet need, how important is the leadership at the company? So how can founders and entrepreneurs best position themselves to bias the chances toward a yes from you guys? Yeah, I, I think um, there's a few things to talk about there, you know, the diligence process and what folks look for is going to be very fund dependent. At North Pond, we are motivated by really exciting science that is also impactful. We really like to partner with leading scientists, academics, and entrepreneurs to really empower scientific breakthroughs you know, there's no right or wrong way to do it. Um, that is our focus. And, um, you know, we, we find it rewarding to do that across different, different sectors in the life sciences industry. For us, the diligence process is very technical. We, we want to understand the science. Um, obviously, you know, coming from Penn, you have to be passionate about the science to really want to dig in to what companies are doing. So, you know, very heavy scientific component, um, understanding kind of why the science is cool, but just double clicking on the idea of 
impact. And so we're not looking for a different way of doing X, Y, and Z. It, we're looking for things that are differentiated, but also but also do something in an advantaged way. That's part of our diligence. And I also don't want to underestimate the importance of team. Things often don't go as planned. And so I think, you know, you, you need a team that is able to execute and be nimble and course correct when things inevitably go wrong. Um, can't underestimate the importance of, of a team. And so, you know, I think it's, it's really a balance of great science with impact, having, having a path forward, right? A line of sight to a really advantaged product or business, and then having the team to support it. That's the holy grail, I would say. You mentioned that it's important for startups to be nimble and you know, they're, they're always strapped for cash and therefore strapped for time. So is there a way to potentially accelerate the process to like, get a faster no or to fail faster? Is it kind of a matter of just having everything prepared, ready in a pitch deck or there, is there another way? Yeah. So I, I think um, you use the word prepared and that was kind of, you know, where, where I was planning on, on going with it. There's two elements of being prepared. One is kind of before you send the pitch deck, and then the other is after you send the pitch deck. And so I think being really clear about, about what you're trying to accomplish as an entrepreneur, again, circling back to, to what sort of impact you think your business will have, and formulating the story in a way that's compelling and um, digestible. I think it's a balance of having enough substrate for someone to sink their teeth into without being inundated with details. You know, making sure that the communication materials are are appropriate and then in your interactions with funds just being um, kind of prepared with supportive data anticipating what questions might be asked, being able to kind of pro- provide materials to address those questions being accessible and and those sorts of things. So I really do think kind of being prepared is, is the best way to, you know, a a yes or a no. And if a startup does get an initial no from the VC firm, how does the startup know whether or not they should maybe move on to uh, try and work with other VC firms versus let's say, if that VC firm might actually be interested and they should just go back and uh, get more data, keep working on their project and come back to the same VC firm? How, how would this process play out? Well, in all cases, it's, it's really important to be thoughtful about the feedback. Firstly, if your company or product is not aligned with the fund and that's the, fee- and that's the reason that you got to a no, it's not, obviously it's not a good use of anyone's time to circle back, right? So I think you have to kind of read the feedback and and react accordingly. In the context of an academic entrepreneur, I could imagine maybe one's being thoughtful about the formulation of a company and is open to feedback on, on maybe some 
basically, is that feedback going to be incorporated into how, how the company is being formulated? If you get that sort of feedback, you know, I think you have to weigh, weigh the suggestions and kind of internalize it and see if it makes sense. And if you find that it does make sense, then there may be an opportunity to do some work and come back to the fund. I think there's another permutation where the feedback may be, gee, I really like this, but it's missing X, Y, and Z data points come back when you have these data points. And that's always a fun one for an entrepreneur because, you know, you're excited about something and you're, and you're looking for whatever it is, and that's going to depend on the company, but some data element. And once they have that data element to, to revisit and, and kind of watch the growth and continue to build momentum is really fun. I think it's important to just be thoughtful about, about the feedback. And I think good points to reach back out are with progress. That's the key opportunity to reconnect with funds that maybe you had gotten a no for to begin with. And so given our focus on academic or student founders here, and so when they pitch and work with VCs, what do you think are certain areas that these academic or student founders do really well at versus areas that they don't do as well and that um, they should really work on developing those skills before coming to VCs? Yeah, I think we all know what academics are really strong in, and that's clearly the science. Um, and it's thinking creatively about, about the science. Um, I, I wouldn't say, you know, I wouldn't necessarily position other things as like shortcomings or, or whatever. Um, I would more think about what a company needs to be complete. Maybe you have a fantastic idea for a new cell therapy, but have you thought about what it takes to manufacture a cell therapy or commercialize a cell therapy? I think it would be a, a tall bar for one person to be an expert in everything. And so I would maybe, I, you know, I think a key element of being an entrepreneur is thinking about building a team and, and who do you need around the table to accomplish your goals? And so I would think about it more in terms of that in term, rather than, than strengths and weaknesses. You know, everyone, I, I think information is power. And so I think getting to know the ecosystem a bit and the players and that sort of thing is all very helpful, but it's, it's really a team that brings a company forward. Um, and that's often what I like to see is that the right folks are, are around the table and, and that can mean different things depending on the stage of the company. So, you know, you may be at a point where you need some, an expert on the commercial side, or that may be something that you can kind of get some advice on and then fill that role formally down the road, you know, and, and I think that's also becoming a collaborative exercise uh, with venture capital funds as well. And so, you know, it's, it's always kind of an active area of discussion when we, when we, meet a new company is taking a look at the team and seeing what roles still need to be filled um, and how funds can support that too. So I would say, you know, building, thinking about how to build your team and then also acknowledging that it can be a collaborative process with your investors. Great. Diana, this has been incredibly helpful and there'll be a lot of information for 
our audience to sink their teeth into. So to close us out, could you just leave us with a final piece of advice for entrepreneurs or founders to craft a, a strong funding strategy? Yeah, I think there's no shortage of unmet need in the community across the life sciences space. And there's so many talented academics out there. And I think, you know, we really, we are really at North Pond excited to support academics in pursuing their research and helping that research make it out to, into the community to have impact, um, have impact on humanity. And so that's kind of the core value that, that we have at North Pond and that I think we can align with kind of the academic community on. And so I would encourage people uh, to, to really think about how your research has impact and then come pitch it to us. <laughs> we'd love to, we'd love to hear from you. Sounds great. Yeah. Thank you, Diana, for your time. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you all for listening to our discussion with Diana Bernstein, Vice President at North Pond Ventures. We learned from Diana some of the basics and considerations that take place during the process of raising capital from life science VC firms for new companies. We look forward to you returning to our next episode when we continue to learn more about the capital raising process for life science entrepreneurs and companies. We will be speaking with Simeon George, CEO of SR1, a life science VC firm based in both the West and East Coast and also in London, UK.